Hello and welcome everyone. The waiting is almost over. No, not for the latest episode of Switch Hit. Though literally minutes of planning have gone into this. <laughs> the 12th Men's World Cup is just days from beginning, as cricket prepares to come home for the first time in 20 years. Whether it will decide to stay, who knows? But England have at least put the effort in this time. I'm joined in the studio today by a couple of tournament vets, two men whose very names are bywords for both global excellence and inspirational funkiness, Andrew Miller <laughs> and Osman Samudin. Gents, you were mingling with the captains yesterday in trendy East London. How was the vibe? Well, you know, I, I, I epitomise trendy East London, as you well know, and um, yeah, it was nice to welcome Virat Kohli to my hood. It was, uh, <laughs> Did he like it? He liked it, yeah, it was most impressive. Good it was, for you him. know, hanging, hanging, hanging out in the, in the set of Dragon's Den in Dalston. Um, it was uh, <laughs> remarkable, you know, it, you know, just goes to show that uh, the ECB, the ICC, sorry, have made an effort in this World Cup to try and uh, break out of the usual confines. Pretty much everything that's been going into the tournament seems to have been launched in a warehouse, including England's kit and now the captains and all the rest. Funky a couple of ads bombed out shot warehouse. In a warehouse as well. A couple of good ads. Exactly. Shot in yeah, it's it, it's warehouse fantastic, but um, you know, it's it, it's funky. It's it's edgy. Cricket is a is a is a new and improved version from the chaotic shambles that it, that it was twenty years ago when it left these shores. <laughs> is the warehouse a metaphor for cricket in this country? This is what I want to know. Why why are we so obsessed with the warehouse? Sort of sold out the back of the, yeah. You know, there you go. There you go. I knew <laughs> we were onto something. Lift up the shutters and we've piled high with cricket. I mean, you're the objective onlooker here, Osman. What, what do you make of all this? Uh, you know, I, I've got to say honestly, and it, it might be because you know London's so big and that we live in our bubbles wherever we are, I haven't actually seen that much kind of visibility about the World Cup out there. I, 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 you know, I mean, you, know, you've, you guys have lived here longer than I have. Is, is that something that you generally see often? I know that I've, I've spoken to a few random, you know, your regular taxi driver, your Uber driver or whatever, and I've spoken to some other kids at my daughter's school, for example, they have no idea that, you know, there, there is a World Cup happening, which I, I'm sure is not representative in any way, uh, or maybe it is, I don't, I don't really know. But I, I have felt, I think I've seen a poster for the 100 um, in, in a, in a, at a tube station somewhere. I, I tell you, what, I've seen the same one. It's a, it's a green park. It's yes. a Vitality Blast. That's sorry, right. that's sorry. The Vitality. So it's not even the hundred. I'm very, so, I'm very, very sorry, ECB. It's, it's the Vitality Blast, not the. Not You're not the, the target audience. I'm not the target much, audience. Yeah. So I actually haven't seen um, that much. I, Miller, you probably would have seen, I guess, or heard more. But you've been to the the song launch. You've been to the captain's presser. You've been everywhere. I've been everywhere. Absolutely. No, I, no. You're right. There hasn't been an awful lot. Although there is going to be a great big party on the mall uh, next week on the eve of the mm. tournament. That that really will lift lift the lid on 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 the excitement. Really. Will it be as good as the uh, sort of fireworks and tinfoil display at Lords uh, twenty years ago? My God. I mean, that was absolute shambles. I mean, it's it, it, opportune really to talk on on the day of. Uh, Theresa May announcing her, her, her overdue departure, but uh, the, one, of the, one, of the, one of the one of the great political uh, views in there, guys. But Tony Blair was the other star of that god awful opening ceremony when he tried to make a speech and his microphone fused in the damp weather. Um, it was it was just an absolute <laughs> catastrophe. That everything about England's planning, uh, the, the ICC's planning, the ECB's planning for that tournament was a shambles. Uh, the one thing you can say on oh, going into this tournament is it's not been a shambles. The, the, the mm. England have planned well. The ICC, what little we've seen so far, admittedly you could do with a few few more adverts around to, to get the vibe going. But 
you know, I, I've been impressed with, with the events they put on so far. I think there are murals being put up in some parts of... Yeah, I, mean, all of I think the, adver- you know, the visibility is, is also sometimes, I think, we, we draw too much from it. Because in, in a big city like London, there's so, in a country like you get there's so much happening um, that, you know, it's easy to avoid and not see something as big as that coming up. I, I think, because there's so much vying for your attention every, you know, every given day. And we know, we all know what the situation with cricket is in the country, I guess. So um, it, it's it's just one person, me, who hasn't seen that much out there. You know, people <laughs> people might have been hearing more chatter about it where they've gone. It's just me and my own experiences that I haven't really, uh, not too many. I, I have friends who are saying, do you have t- hey, do you have tickets for India Pakistan? Do you have any tickets for India Pakistan? And I don't. I'm asking them back, do you have tickets for India Pakistan? Talking this tournament down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, guys, I'm very sorry. Um, England, uh, one day cricket and, and being cool. Uh, they're three very unlikely bedfellows, I would say, but... <laughs> I mean, everyone is doing their, their damnedest uh, to change that perception. It's obviously the, the ECB's kind of inspire a generation uh, summer um, and, and uh, clearly a huge desire not to repeat 1999. But we've touched on the, the kit launch, uh, which you went to, uh, Miller, the song, this Express Yourself campaign, hashtag funky graphics everywhere. Yeah, and, and I mean... The sap is rising. The sap is rising, absolutely. I mean, you know, I... I, I um, it's easy to be sniffy about it, but all of this sort of stuff, I think, is is vital. I think it, you know, mm. it's a lot a lot like what the ECB are trying to do with the hundred. You know, we. I don't want to digress into that today, but the the fundamental the, the, the fundamental <laughs> the fundamental issue with that is they've made an absolute abomination of trying to do a good thing because what they really are trying to do with the hundred is appeal to a different mm. market and you new more youthful demographic because that is vital to the future of the sport in this country and the ICC have tapped into that exact same vibe they, they've obviously the ECB and the ICC have clearly worked very closely together to align the the strategies uh, to use the use the sort of sort of words they'd have used in the boardroom while, while discussing it uh, but I think they've done it well I think it, it is important that, that there is a there is a sense that cricket is more interesting more cool more, more fun, and and I, I'm getting good, good feelings so far from what I've seen, and we haven't even have got into the got into the action yet. Mm. Um, we should talk about kits, of course. Yes. England channeling 1992 with their sort of um, light blue with a, a bit of piping. Um, Darker patches, I don't know the technical terms. Um, <laughs> Dark patches. <laughs> yeah, technical it, enough. It looks, it looks all right to me. Yeah, I, I, was, I was very impressed with it, actually. It was, uh, you know, I, I, as I say, I went down to the latest of my many warehouses down in East London. Uh, accidentally <laughs> took my kids with me because I forgot I was meant to be looking after them. Uh, they enjoyed it. They, Responsible they, adult. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> it worked out in the end. So, yeah, it was, um, yeah... It, I'm impressed. I, I've obviously got a very soft spot for that 92 kit. It, <laughs> no. Really? Yeah, I would never have thought. Really? <laughs> Who would have guessed? Could we just return to your uh, all-time England World Cup eleven briefly? Indeed. My all-time England World Cup eleven was the World Cup eleven from the 1992 final. Because... Because uh, let's face it, if the parameters... If the, if the, if the selection criteria are success in a, in a World Cup, then you're not going to pick Flintoff. You're not going to pick Goff. You're not going to pick KP. Yep. I mean, they've, they've all been an absolute abomination at World Cups. Every single England team. England haven't won a knockout match in a World Cup 
since getting to the final in 1992. It's absolutely staggering ineptitude. <laughs> and so you write off a generation. I mean, you know, going back to the point about trying to re-inspire a generation. The last generation that was inspired by England at a World Cup was mine when I was a 12-year-old. Mm. And so, so you know, it's it's a sad, uh, sad scenario that that we've we've uh, come come have got to come such a long way to get back to that. And hoping that clothes maketh the team. What about the um, what about Pakistan's uh, uh, shiny <laughs> new livery? Can I first say that I loved the England kit? I thought it was a really nice kind of look, mm. and it was, it, was a, it was a really nice kind of gesture to, to you know to pull upon, as you say, the greatest one day side of all time, nineteen ninety two. And Pakistan ninety two, of course. <laughs> no, it's it good. Although somebody put somebody put a picture up on Twitter of a New South Wales um, one day kit. From around that era, which looked a lot like what England's kit now looks like, um, which was a bit weird, but um, uh, I liked it. Pakistan's kit. <laughs> so Pakistan put out this photograph. I don't know if people would have seen it on on. I think the PCB put it out on Twitter, in which they all just looked kind of stretched sideways. <laughs> um, you know, some of the players are not the fittest. Widescreen. Uh. Fakhar Zaman is you know a fit guy. He's pretty lean, but even his face looked like it had been kind of pulled <laughs> from east cheek. Um, Harris Sohail, you know, we're not going to get too deep into that. He's not. He's not the leanest guy that they've got there. But he's the, done these his yo-yo kids, testing. Well, yeah, apparently. But these <laughs> kits just made them look a little bit. I, I want. I want to use another word. Than heavier or, or wider <laughs> broad or broader, beamed. well, broad-boned, as Homer Simpson might say. He's just broad-boned. If they just looked a little bit more broad-boned than normal, um, Pakistan kits. I mean, I'm, I'm not. You know, it's green. I feel like you can't do much with green. You can go dark or you can go light, and that's pretty much it. Um, so I, I'm not like a huge, huge fan of the new kit. But I've not been a huge fan of any of the kits since probably the 96-97 Carlton United series in Australia, which they won, and had like this shiny, darkish green mixed with a. I think it was like a a, a a red checkered red kind of strip across Ooh. the chest. Very interesting, and they won that tournament. It was one of Shahid Afridi's first tournaments, so I, I, I'm a big fan of that one still. Uh, I wonder how old he was uh, then. Uh, you can go, yeah, maybe <laughs> you can go wrong with green, of course, if you forget to put the red in, and you're the Bangladesh, <laughs> and, and you're Bangladesh. Bangladesh. Yeah, <laughs> of course, you forget yeah. to put that massive red in that you have to have in there um, because it's part of your flag. <laughs> Yes, luckily, luckily, (laughs) time to uh, uh, avert disaster there. Um, So England and Wales expects, or expects a last-minute disaster to befall the team, uh, such as (laughs) the news today that Owen Morgan has required an X-ray on a finger injury suffered in training. Um, I mean, I suppose we should be prepared for the worst here, Miller. Yeah, I I have, I have a a catchphrase, as many know, what could possibly go wrong, (laughs) and of all the players. All the players that England could lose. I mean, let's. Let, by the time this goes out, we may discover it's just just bruising. It, it sounds like it may have been a dislocation. It sounds like it's snapped back in pretty pretty sharpish. So Ouch. so hopefully hopefully it'll all, it'll all, it'll all go come good on the day. But you know, hypothetically speaking, let's do, let's just. You know, Morgan actually was talking about contingency planning because the other day he talked very eloquently as he as he has done recently um, about Alex Hales and uh, explaining that uh, the team had done an awful lot of contingency planning for things that could go wrong. You hadn't quite planned for that, but because they were prepared for, mm. you know, unnecessary hamstring injuries or, or, or this, that and the other, they were in a position to say, okay, so what happens if so-and-so goes down? And they will have planned for Morgan being injured, but it is the biggest hurdle that they've got to overcome. I mean, it's extraordinary. Really, it's worse than, it's worse than losing Josh Butler, who is in such gun form wow. that, that he, that he could be, he could be on the brink of, of, of great, greatness in this tournament, but, 
you know, because of the way that he has galvanised that side, because of the way he marshals his troops, um, you know, Butler would probably take over. Joe Root would end up as as, as, as his deputy. But, you know, talking about Joe Root's handling of Adnil Rashid in particular in Test cricket, he simply doesn't have a clue how to bowl mm. him in Test cricket. Morgan has, has got into root into Rashid's headspace to such an extent that this guy can be trusted to bowl at any stage of a game and deliver the goods. He's in he's the most he's he's got the confidence of his captain for the first time in, in, in a career that's now stretched for a decade. And um he is so integral to England's hopes. The way that way that Morgan keeps his cool under fire, juggles his juggles his troops, sets the agenda for the team, this is his team and if England were to lose him, that would be a disaster. Uh, and if they haven't lost him, I'm still remarkably confident about that. <laughs> it's really interesting because he, you know, he he's not the main guy that you look at in that batting lineup anymore. Whereas he used to be, he used to be the guy that everyone was like, "Oh my God, it's Owen Morgan in an England shirt. Is he even allowed to bat like this? Like, are, are, are we okay with this?" Um, and now he's he's still got remarkable figures. I think he's you know he had a good series against Pakistan, and he's merrily goes along at a hundred plus strike rate he, without anyone. He's scored he scored more sixes than any other England batsman since the last World Cup, which well, is they, which is an amazing stat because if you consider the kind of freaks that they have in that lineup, for him to have hit the most sixes, that's phenomenal. Um, and he kind of slips under the radar in, in amidst the madness of, of Butler and, and, uh, and Bairstow in particular, Jason Roy and, you know, once upon a time Alex Hales. He kind of just like, oh yeah, he's a part of the lineup. And people, probably bowling sides, I don't think they, they would come upon him with as much fear as they come upon somebody like Bairstow, mm-hmm. um, or, or, or a Roy at the top of the order. And yet, you know, like you say, he's absolutely, yeah. it's not just the batting. It's, it's much, much exactly. more than that. I mean, that's the thing. It's, it's because of, because of, Essentially, England have made themselves a team in which they're, all the players are replaceable as such because mm. they have a squad that has depth. They have a first eleven that has depth with Liam Plunkett sometimes yeah. batting at number uh, eleven. You yeah. know, these, these you know it's a situation where if one guy doesn't come off, another guy further in the order will come off, and they'll still get three fifty four hundred. It, it, it is that clockwork. But take Morgan out of the equation, and suddenly it's the defence of those runs that's yeah. the issue. How do you how do you just read the game and yeah. recognise that? Your set formula for you know bowling Plunkett in the middle and Rashid in the middle and mm. holding Curran maybe back for the death is that do you need to change change things around shuffle the pack a bit? Morgan has has an intuitive understanding no, of that. Has and a grasp able to, of the game, doesn't he? Has yeah. a grasp that I don't think anyone else on that side has, and therefore he's got to lead it for it to function as well as it should. Obviously, England have hit a bump in the road uh, with the, with the whole Alex Hales business, but, and, and they've they've driven on, you know, get the foot to the, uh, the pedal to the metal as as is their uh, style. But I mean, you, I mean, you think even if if Morgan were to uh, be rested for this week, the warm up games to come, you know, and, and there wasn't too much damage, it's still you know far from ideal. Right on the eve of, of the biggest thing, the biggest thing to happen in English cricket in, in a generation. Yeah, it is. It's f- absolutely far from ideal. Is exactly what it is. But it, but at the same time, assuming he's not got long term damage, it is a sort of far from ideal that England are breezing through at the moment. Alex mm. Hales is about the most far from ideal thing that could possibly have happened. We've hardly heard a peep. I mean, Hales himself spoke incredibly <laughs> stupidly the other day on uh, the CPL launch. He he didn't he didn't cover himself in glory with his Don't refusal to address the. He didn't cover himself in glory with his <laughs> refusal to address the issue. Uh, but that in itself just under, underlined the fact that England were quite right to yep. cut, cut him adrift. It's like, if you can't, can't recognise 
the extent to which you've screwed up, mm. and of course he's, he's he's a devastating place, and I feel sorry for him on a personal level because yeah. I like him. Yeah, but, of course. But if England can't, if England had been forced to drag that baggage all the way into the World Cup, it would have been an incredibly tricky position. Mm. Morgan, again, I go back to Morgan, but Morgan's ruthless, cutting cutting it out at the core, saying, "I don't want this guy in my squad anymore." And more, what's more, the six senior guys in the squad don't want him either. It's like, whoa, those are the most, that's the most strong, damning thing you're ever going to hear anyone say about a former integral member of this team. There's no point in talking about it anymore. Yeah, you're not yeah. going to get a better, a better yeah, reaction to that. So, yeah. so basically it's over. We move on. And now we move on talking about how England can get back on track. It, it, it has been, you know, Morgan again was asked, would this have derailed previous England teams? And he said, yeah, probably would. Absolutely. The, the yeah. culture of this side has, 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 closed around the squad in a way that uh, you know I, I hesitate to say bulletproof because that's hostage of fortune but they are doing they are doing their utmost to be as as formidable a side as they could mm. possibly be going into this tournament uh, well we will leave the uh, last minute derailments to the UK government um, <laughs> the, <laughs> the <laughs> that's, that, that's been a train wreck that's been coming for months <laughs> last minute <laughs> <But> anyway <laughs> England uh, cricket not even in the running on that front. Um, the squad announcement on Tuesday had the the merest frisson of tension, uh, with Chofra Archer and Liam Dawson edging out David Willey and Joe Denley, of course. But uh, this was pretty straightforward decision making in the end, wasn't it? It was. Was it with Willie? Was it as straightforward as that? I, I, I don't really kind of because he was fairly integral to the. Side. Someone had to miss out, I suppose. Someone had to miss out. This I mean, is what Ed Smith said, I think. Yeah. Like, that, you know, I, I, there, I there had were a, more deserving people than deserving places or yeah. whatever. I had a slight fear that Plunkett was the guy who was going to miss out because um, because certainly you know using Curran as a sort of opposite end of the spectrum. Curran's a guy on an upward curve Whereas, who's clearly yeah. growing into yeah. his. Role, he's becoming more and more influential every time he takes a pitch. Uh, whereas Plunkett has visibly tailed off, but ultimately, I think we're right having that experience. I and mean, a guy who's you know, he's, he's, he, play, he played on the first tour that you no. and I were on in 2005. 2005, I mean, yeah. nuts. The guy's been around since the dawn of time. And he was and, such a different bowler then, yeah, wasn't he? he was totally. A proper test bowler, kind of trying to swing the ball in Lahore. Exactly. It wasn't happening. <laughs> it really wasn't happening. <laughs> yeah, give him credit for trying. But no, again, going into a World Cup, you want to have a guy, even if he doesn't play, but you probably won't actually with Joffre Archer taking, yeah, taking yeah. his place in the, in the first 11 and Mark Wood in form. So they're probably edging ahead of Plunkett. Mm. But to have him on the bench and have that experience, that wealth of knowledge... That wicket-taking ability, man. Well, he takes wickets. Plunkett, yeah. for whatever else he is, the guy gets wickets, which yeah. is the name of the game as far as England's yeah. bowling is concerned. You know? Since the last World Cup. So, yeah, I mean, ultimately, it's, it, it's tough on Willie, and he did offer something different with his left arm and the ability to swing it in pretty much all conditions, which is rare with two new balls. But mm. uh, but someone had to miss out, and ultimately, his he did not make a good enough case in those in those um, in the four completed games that, that that were possible. I was I was really really sad that he didn't fire out some incendiary tweet <laughs> after his after his dropping. You know, maybe do the Janelle Khan and put some black tape on your mouth and say <laughs> the truth is bitter, or or do an Ambati Raidu, three <laughs> D. I'm not three D enough for whatever it was. 
Yeah, I think he just put up a really sweet post of of, of him playing with his, with his son. His yeah. son think, dancing, I think. Yeah. Which is just like, I mean, come on. Stop being so well-adjusted to these things. You've just been chopped from the World Cup, man. Show a little bit of anger and annoyance. <laughs> he, right? He's a team coach, is he? Well, there you, there you go. There's a, team coach. This is Morgan, man. This is Morgan's doing. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the first tweaked hamstring, he's back in, isn't he? Mm. Uh, well, totally. I mean, this is a game, what Morgan's saying, that there's no point in, 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 in just going to seed for the next six weeks. It's a long tournament, mm. 11 games potentially. Yep. There yep. will be there will be injuries. There will be opportunities potentially if an injury is serious enough for replacements. And those he and and Joe Denley are certainly not completely out of the woods. Although I mean Denley's a weird one. I I, I have massive sympathy for him. England have been trying to. I think uh, Ed Smith has been impressive. He's done. He's made some really really good calls since he's become chairman of selectors. And, uh, and Josh Butler in Test cricket fundamental bringing back Rashid and and all the rest of it. But this is a bit of a weird one. So um, it's uh, it's tricky, and, and as we speak, we have got update on Owen Morgan. He sustained a small flake fracture to his left index finger. Morgan picked up the injury uh, well, during catching practice. He's expected to make a full recovery and be available. So there we go. He should be available for the first game. Breaking Cues. news. There we are. <laughs> what is a flake? <laughs> I have no idea. I, I didn't even know that was a part of the body. A flake? <laughs> isn't that like a, a I don't flake know, fracture? It's a chocolate, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So, so there we go. Panic over. Sounds most pleasant <laughs> uh, um, well that's breaking news good so, news but anyway uh, furthermore anyway. Joe Denley was obviously going to be the guy <laughs> who, who was, was the next cap of the rank I mean there was literally no chance that Morgan was going to be replaced by Joe Denley because you know mm. in six weeks time even if the worst had happened he'd actually broken it properly he'd still presumably be fit enough by the knockouts to, to play again and once you've been replaced in the World Cup you can't come back into the sides there's no way that, that Morgan would not have been Retained in the squad had he been injured, but it's all academic now. Phew. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, well, Denley goes back on to standby, and we can talk about him being the uh, the square peg in an all rounder hole. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, strange, isn't it? I, I feel very sorry for him. I mean, you know, here's here's a guy who could be batting in the top three in the Ashes. So he's clearly fundamentally he's a batsman. He knows he's a batsman, and yet in the last couple of years he's suddenly discovered that he's actually quite good at spin bowling and was being given a chance to play in the World Cup. It's like, come on. He's certainly <laughs> sort of tossing it up in, in various T20 leagues around the world. Yeah. He's, he's, he's done pretty well. He's, he's done he? fine. But, 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 but bowling 10 overs as a deputy for Moe. Yeah. Mohamed Al-Fiz of England. Well, exactly. But then again, <laughs> what, do you, what do you do with you, it? You don't, go into a, you don't go into a World Cup after a 10-year career and, and be selected to be... A potentially a frontline spinner if someone keels over with 22 wickets to your name or whatever it is it's like he's got to have a little bit more a little bit more of a of a workload than that and meanwhile while he was while he was carrying drinks for most most of the series you've got uh, Liam Dawson in the Royal Oven Cup uh, you know producing throwback figures sort of you know 10 overs two maidens two for 37 or something which is sort of <laughs> so, you know, spirited straight out of the 1990s I mean this is these, these are sort of numbers you can't Ignore uh, if you're looking for someone who's just going to be able to do the, that vital treaders role of of not not even be considered <laughs> and yet suddenly get dumped into a crucial game and, and deliver the goods. It's uh, you know James Treadwell played a played a blinder for England as that as that bench spinner who who could just be parachuted mm. in when needed and and Liam Dawson is clearly of a similar mindset I think when it comes to when it comes to just 
being being ready to, to fit the role. Can I just say that Pakistan have won a Champions Trophy with Mohammed Hafiz in their side? This is true. Talk about Joe Denley. Mohammed Hafiz is a Champions Trophy winner. That's, that's all I want uh, to add. Uh, yeah, Denno, who needs to vote? I can over? see that working for Pakistan, but but not so much for England. <laughs> Maybe not. Oh, you guys haven't tried Hafiz yet. That's, that's the problem. Give him a passport. Get him over now. Um, England, of course, uh, wrapped up a 4-0 win over Pakistan in, uh, a few days ago, um, and, and they looked certainly to have found, rediscovered their groove after a sort of choppy tour of the Caribbean where kind of things threatened to go a little bit out of control in terms of the bowling and uh, the opposition <laughs> smashing them everywhere. Yeah, I mean, it was, a, it, was a, it was a wild tour. I mean, it was... It was, it was England's preparation for this World Cup has, has been ideal, frankly, because, you know, being given a... Given a brutal reminder of, of quite how brutal West Indies can be when they get get, get in mm. their six-sitting mood was was not a bad thing to, to to get on the eve of eve of the big event and then you know facing up a, a Pakistan side for all their faults still became the first side to post three forty no. in cons- no. in three consecutive innings. England obviously became the first <laughs> side to do it in four <laughs> um, shortly after them, but it was only just, only just uh, exactly. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, but you know that that, that that's that's a, a huge feather in Pakistan's cap to to to, to yeah. rack up runs consistently like that. It, it, it's it augurs well for for their for their hopes of you know mm. they're, they're not going to come up a side that is as as just chilled about chasing big totals as England every day. Usually, usual rules apply for most of the sides that you know scoreboard pressure. His scoreboard pressure, yeah, 350 yeah. on the board is, my God, we've got a mountain to climb. And also, England's death bowling in a couple of those games, you know, overlooked in the pyrotechnics of their batting, but they're, and we, I think we discussed it a couple of weeks ago as well. Their, their death bowling is, you know, in these kind of chases, they know what they're doing. Mm. Um, and, 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 and it's just another feather. Um, in their cap- Pakistan, I think they lost one of the games by 12 runs when they looked dead on to, to ghost home in that chase, which was, and you, I, there's a little, there was a little bit of Pakistan panic, maybe, but not that much. It was just good bowling, just yeah. good bowling at the death, which they did a couple of times. I mean, England, series. England, England have got options, and this is the again the mm. one thing I, I think that that the, of course their bowling is is the worry. There's no doubt about it, but it's a relative worry because their yeah. batting is so amazing. Okay, the other worry is coming up against a, a pitch that doesn't behave quite as they, they'd like when they're swinging through the line and they mm. get skittle for eight for five, which they've done a couple of times on their journey to the top, but. Um, I digress a touch, but no. The point is, their bowling has options. They're in a position whereby, again, going back to Morgan and, and his, his ability to read the game, he has the ability to read the game. But he also has the options to read it with. You know, they've technically got seven bowlers, including Joe Root. It's an incredible right. wealth of frontline options to have. Um, talking in a, in a separate podcast earlier about Ben Stokes, he's a guy who could, if England have a good day, not be called a wonder bowl. No. It's it's incredible and not bats even and not bats exactly. yeah. <laughs> you know, which was part of the problem I think in in the series um, just gone that it, uh, obviously he did get runs at Trent Bridge at the end uh, and and didn't take any wickets but uh, yes get, <laughs> getting time in the middle when Jason Roy and John Besto are dominating uh, the strike can yeah. be, uh, it's tricky but you know if if Ben Stokes isn't called upon to bowl England are clearly bossing the game and if he is called upon to bowl. He's, he's got that canny, subtle point of difference ability to, to either swing it or bang it in or buy a wicket. He's, he's, he's a, <laughs> to have him as a, as a sort of reserve mm. option is, is when most, most sides, I mean, one, one of the captains at the, uh, press conference the other day one said, talks, uh, right? I think it was the, Karuna Ratney said he yeah. said he'd pick Ben Stokes out of all the players available on the other sides 
who would he bring across to his That's side? only because he knows Angela Matthews won't last to draw. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I need an all-rounder. Come on, give me any. <laughs> Tactical uh, savvy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, two, two of England's all-rounders in, in you know, key players in this side, Moeen and Stokes, I mean, uh, both average kind of 40-50 with the ball, mm. certainly over the last couple of years. Yeah. But um, it's more about how they fit into that system, isn't it? And the options they yeah. give Morgan. And, and so almost Moeen acting as a... Uh, a comfort blanket for Rashid in some ways. <laughs> a lot of the time, yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I, I remember um, <laughs> one of the more contentious articles we ran recently was Sanjay Manjekar uh, talking about England relying on all-round <laughs> talent and stuff. I, you know, I mean, whatever his point was for the te- for the test side, I think in ODI cricket, you, you know, Moin Ali, Ben Stokes, these are not the guys that that you... I mean, they're not the guys who have put in kind of, you know, the, the, the headline performances in ODI cricket, at least. Um, over the last however long, yet they are completely integral to that side. Um, and, and like you say, you know, someone like Moeen there with Adil Rashid, um, he, he's just there with them. I think you, Alan, know more than a lot of others. They're close, they're tight, and what, what Moeen gives to Adil as a, as a bowler is, you know, it's not really a numbers thing. You know, Moeen might be going for six, six and a half and over, but it, also, if he's going for six and a half over in, in a chase of, 370 yeah he's doing a job relatively speaking and and it might not look good on the economy scale or the wicket scale but you know he's he's helping you defend a total that you've put up there by being so damn good in the first place Um, and as a number 7 who can score a sort of 53 ball 100 then (laughs) which admittedly happened a couple of years ago now but uh, if he comes in and scores uh, a, a 10 ball 23 it's done his bit. It doesn't mm. look great as a, for his averages because people still think of him as Moin Ali, a batsman, a, an mm. outrageously gifted batsman. You know, 23 might not look so good, but in the context of a, of a game, if he gets 23 off 10 towards the death and gets out, then, you know, he's done his, he's basically done his job. Yeah. Um, and more than his job, maybe. So I, it, it, it's frightening. Uh, and I keep saying it. It's frightening when you, when you actually start taking wickets against England and he goes through their batting <laughs> order. Just the, it just never stops. It's insane. It it never stops. The pressure never relents. I was looking at um, I was looking at some some figures for uh, for openers, um, and and Bairstow, who he, he's a freak of nature in, in white ball cricket. In that, I think he averages in so in power playovers, he averages a dismissal every sixty seven balls. So basically, he does you know he he doesn't get every other game he gets dismissed in the power play, and yet he goes at seven runs and over. As a striker, so he's top of that tree, and Jason Roy, I think, is third on that. But Jason Roy gets dismissed more often. So if you think about how he's aligning the fact that he's not getting out early, and yet he's giving you that start, that's that's almost, I would say, what a third of the game is won right there. If you're 95 for one at max after 10 overs, <laughs> and you've got Moynali and Ben Stokes all the way down there to come. My God, how are you not going to win this World Cup? And, how is England not going to win this World Cup, Miller? And they're not going to win it. If, if Morgan breaks his finger. <laughs> no, really, a flake. We know what a flake is now. Thanks, Tom. <laughs> uh, all best efforts to Jinx England um, welcomed, of course. Uh, as for Pakistan, they moved quickly after that series defeat, bringing in Mohammed Amir and Asif Ali into mm. the 15, as well as handing a surprise recall to Wahab Riaz. Uh, <laughs> Rumour has it purely because Inzamam Haq happened to see a replay of him bombing Shane Watson at the 2015 <laughs> World Cup over the weekend. I would, and just was past. like, who is this guy? I, I would not put it past <laughs> the Pakistan selection committee. No, I, it's a strange one. You know, Wahab, I mean, you know, I, I, I was against 
the way he was dropped, when he was dropped last year, uh, and on the grounds that he was dropped. And it wasn't just apparently his, um, you know, there, there, were talk about, there was talk about him not being as fit as some of the other guys in the team. But, you know, those standards of fitness in that side are, I would say, fairly kind of, you know, they, they work for some, they don't work for others. They dropped Wahab, and then there was some talk about how he's not the greatest influence around the younger bowlers, um, in, just in terms of his work ethic, which is, you know, something that Arthur and, and, and the regime have been trying to really instill. Um, and, you know, as much as I was against it, it looked like it was final last year. Um, and he's, you know, let's say he's not had great ODI numbers for a while now, Wahab. I think his last game, he, he went for some 50-odd runs off four overs against India in the Champions Trophy in Birmingham. Almost um, two years ago. Two years ago, yeah. Um, so, you know, it, it was a surprise. Um, it wasn't a surprise that they were going to bring somebody back. But I, I was just a little bit taken aback by the fact that it was Wahab. Amir's recall, you know, even though we'd been talking all series about how he has to kind of do something in the series, he has to, to kind of show that he, he's worth calling back. But I think the way their bowlers went, especially some of the younger guys like Shaheen and, and Hasnan, I think, and it was very much the thinking, I, I, I think, with Mickey and, and Inzamam as well and Safraz was that they just needed somebody with a little bit of experience um, who can at least work out, if he's not taking wickets, can at least work out a way of controlling the run rate. And I think, you know, as as I speak, they're having their behinds <laughs> handed back to them by Afghanistan. Um, Amir, I think, has the most economical figures. At the start, Hazratullah was going crazy, um, but Amir was the one who's kind of keeping things in check a little bit, and I think that is exactly what they want. There you go, six overs, none for 27 as we speak right now, although Imadu seems done pretty well. But, you know, I, I think they needed somebody with Amir's experience just to be able to control the run for. So I'm not surprised about that, about him coming back. Asif Ali, again, was a, was a shoe, and, you know, he's been through a, a terrible, terrible personal tragedy, which, you know, you, you, you can't, you, you just can't kind of, you can't factor for things like that. Uh, but just for him to have been performing the way he has been performing while his daughter's been ill all this time, it's just, it's, it's phenomenal, you know. And, and I think if you speak to the people who know him, his managers around him in Slavas and stuff, they say that, you know, he's, he's, al- he's always looked at, in this time, he's looked at cricket as essentially a way to kind of distract himself from, you know, what, what he's undergoing. It's a terrible thing that he's undergone, but, you know, the way he's been performing has been phenomenal. And he really adds uh, another dimension to what was looking before the series like a fairly one-dimensional Fakhar Zaman apart uh, batting lineup, And now he's there, you know, at the end of it, and Fakhar Zaman's there at the top of it. And in the middle, they have a fairly solid core. You know, Babur, Haris, uh, Imam himself, who's been scoring runs. So the batting is looking pretty pretty okay, apart from their collapse against Afghanistan today. But, you know, it's a warm-up game, and only Michael Clark thinks they should be won. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, they're, they're certainly looking a little bit more coherent than they have been for a while going into World Cup. Um, interesting little side story that's come out of the uh, uh, Pakistan camp. This is the PCB banning the uh, sort of the yeah the wives and girlfriends from travelling. Not staying. many girlfriends there, mostly just wives. No, no, okay, <laughs> it sort of ruins the uh, the, yeah. the acronym. Wives. But um, um, sort of this reminds me certainly of various failed England football World Cups. <laughs> yeah. Oh, was it 2006, wasn't it? Germany, the big one? Where all the yeah, Baden-Baden, kind of, Baden, I think. That's certainly right, Fabio Baden, Capello, yeah. I think, was, was Victoria Beckham on, was famously... Um, no, I, I mean, I, I think it's not a massive, massive issue for Pakistan. I think, although they have had their families on tour um, most of the last few tours, uh, I don't know how much... It might affect them. I'm not really sure whether... And it's, it's also not like a hard and fast policy. I think there's some, some something about... 
the first 21 days of the tournament where they might not be there and then they might come in after that um, or that they're not staying in the same hotels as as the players so they might be around but just not in the same <laughs> hotels which you which then means that you have to keep an eye out for curfews and stuff of course um, which makes it sound also like a prison and conjugal visits but we're not going to go there right now uh, but what yeah, could I, possibly go wrong, what is, possibly uh, wrong is, uh, I don't think I, I did hear some murmurs that some of the players were a little bit like oh you know what's wrong with having family around and stuff I, I don't think it's a it's a huge huge thing. It's an interesting little tidbit, you know, that they're not going to have them around. Um, but <laughs> once the results start going the other way and everyone's <laughs> really unhappy about it, I'm sure it's going to become a bigger issue. <laughs> so we'll keep an eye on that one. <laughs> uh, England and Pakistan, of course, were, were the two teams to really make significant changes to their after their preliminary squads. Most of the other teams obviously hadn't played any cricket in that mm. intervening period, but now they're over here. Um, Warm-up matches are underway, as we've mentioned. Uh, Stephen Smith and David Warner have made their first appearances on a <laughs> <laughs> couple of couple of uh, promising Aussies, I think. Well, this is the thing. Obviously, their first appearance. I think they're, they're a couple of the papers, you know, had their initial fun. What's in your What's pocket? That? What's Steve, that in your pocket? And, yes, and all I this believe, kind of yeah. thing. But I mean. Um, England and Australia play tomorrow. Um, Miller, we've got Nashes to come afterwards. We're, we're probably not going to hear the end of this, are we? Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> going, it's going to run and run and run and run and run. <laughs> but I mean, it's, it's, all, it's all good banter, isn't it? I mean, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be fascinating, particularly Warner. Um, just watching him at the IPL was, was, was just a beast being unleashed again. And he's, mm. he, he, he's, he's got a point, a severe point to prove. And... Uh, you know, just get, getting him back in that in that batting lineup just gives them the oomph that they were lacking. Yeah. Certainly, when they were over here last year and they got beaten five 0 by England, they they looked um, they they looked down and out, frankly, as, as 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 candidates. And now, you know, I'm I'm I wouldn't be at all surprised to see them make the semi-finals. I think they've got the bowling attack to thrive in English conditions, and bowlers are going to be important in this World Cup, despite mm. all the noise about, um, you know, Coley joking about England's obsession with getting to 500. I mean, that may that may also happen, but that does not mean that a bowler won't bowl very no. well in no. the circumstances to to save the day in, in a high-scoring game. It's still, it's still ultimately the bowlers who have to win these matches, even if uh, the batsmen get the glory. Um, talking about Coley and his... Uh, I mean, Little um, psychological barbs there at the at the captain's um, uh, event. Uh, interestingly, most I think most uh, captains asked who the favourites were. They said England. Now, this is a very unusual position for it's England to be in. It's a ploy. It? It's all a ploy. This is the thing. <laughs> the psychological barbs that you were talking about. <laughs> I mean, is that, I mean, England are very unused to being in this position at a global tournament. But that said, Morgan's team, number one for a year or. Or more now, uh, they have had some experience of sort of yeah, totally. They 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 very much drilled it into themselves to expect to be favourites. They they you know the the probably the single most significant match that they have had in their past certainly the last two years or since the Champions Trophy uh, was their their five nil. Uh, victory over Australia, winning that final game, and Josh Butler getting an incredible 101 wicket mm. victory. That was the closest thing to a final that they've had. It was a, it was a, it was a dead rubber in theory, but a dead rubber with real edge because they were they were losing, and losing the opportunity to really rub Australia's noses in it. And they got their heads down, produced the sort of performance they will need at some stage of this tournament. They're going to mm. be tested like like they haven't been tested at all 
on their on their travels. But the way they came through that game in particular just makes me think they they've got it up top. They've got the mentality to 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 get through whatever's thrown at them. That doesn't mean they're going to win. But what I will say at this stage is that there is, even if they do fail to win, which is possible, I think they will win. On record, <laughs> well, I do think they twice said they might not win. I, I would, there is <laughs> no way. Very no, I'm not. No, no, no. They're, they're going to win. But if they don't win, there's nothing wrong with their approach. Their approach to this tournament has oh, been yeah. flawless, yeah. and there's no way that they, you can you can criticise them in hindsight. Say that they they made made mistakes along the way. They haven't. They mm. have they have absolutely nailed every step of the journey to the World Cup. I've got little doubt, given the format, that they will make the semi-finals along with India. I think it would be an extraordinary collapse of resolve for either of those two teams to fail to win enough games to get into the mm. into knockouts, given the way the format is. is and, you know, There is enough time to, to have a shocker at some stage in these nine games and still win enough to get through. So take as red, I think, that they both both sides will be there. And then it's a case of winning two games in a row. And England have certainly proven, in home conditions, they're more than capable of doing that. Um, so yes they are favourites for a reason and they embrace that favouritism as well which is yes unusual yeah, it, they, they, I think they, they sit quite easily with it it's not it doesn't sound like from you know from, from the outside looking in it doesn't sound like it's it's a massive big thing for them Not as in it's not a massive heavy weight kind of bringing them down they, they, they seem pretty chilled out and the, the other thing the other thing of course to bear in mind is the last two World Cups have been won by the hosts you know yep. India in 2011 Australia in 2015. No, I mean, it does. Sure. It, it clearly, you know, that's that's not to say they didn't have pressure. Obviously, India in particular had massive mm. pressure to to, mm. to produce the goods on their home soil, but they did, which goes to show it can be done. In other teams, Kohli in particular, you know, you can throw the barbs around, but he's pro- he's proof that it is possible to yeah. to rise to the challenge of of <sighs> delivering in front of your home crowds. So it's a difficult one for. For opposition size to try and no. throw in England, you're going to choke in front of your home crowds. Well, you, you're proof that that actually that home support can be can galvanise you and inspire yeah. you to, to even greater heights. Um, just final thought, really, on on the the group stage that we have laid out ahead of us here. I mean, uh, recent games ODIs in England with 300, 350 par. Can can we see that being kind of the norm for? Uh, whatever it is, five, six weeks of uh, round-robin play, and at what stage do we get bored of all this? I think with with England, for sure, we can kind of expect those scores. Um, the other side, yeah, I mean, you know, Pakistan scoring 340 three times in a row was a massive surprise for me, even on these surfaces, and, you know, whatever they say about how much it helps batting, it was a massive, massive surprise for me. India, I've got the lineup for it. Um, South Africa, I kind of feel South Africa's batting is... Not what he used to be. Hashim Amla is not kind of you know he's not he's not what he was uh, a few years ago maybe. Um, and I feel, but they're still capable. You know, Quinton de Kock is outright outside of England. He is one of the freak ODI batsmen of this generation. He's got some amazing numbers. Um, uh, who else? I mean, West Indies. West Indies. Can How can we forget <laughs> West Indies? Afghanistan. Sometimes Hazratullah starts going and he gets going and he stays going. You're going to see some big scores there. And I, I, I've got to be honest. I, I used to think. Until very recently that, oh, you know, it's just, I mean, I, I want to see the bowlers do something. But I think slowly you get, you get battered into changing <laughs> the way you think about limited overs bowling. Especially, you know, from, from, from T20s and now in ODIs. I think you just have to, like Miller's been saying, you just have to think, you have to rethink the way you appreciate white ball bowling now. 
um, un- until they change the rules again, which I'm sure they will at some point. They'll, they'll bring back the one ball through an entire innings or something. I'm sure they will. Until that happens, I think we have to kind of just recalibrate what is a good bowling performance uh, and what you see as a, as a good bowling spell. There will be days where you'll see uh, an old-school bowling spell like Jofra Archer at the Oval against Pakistan. There will be days when you see that, and we'll love it. But other days... Uh, you know, something like what Finn did. Was, was it Finn who got the hat-trick at the yes, back end of the 2015 World Cup? <laughs> he was very proud of it. Well, that Australia, might actually yeah, be yeah. something to be proud of. Uh, <laughs> uh, what was it, a 5 for 72 or something, including yeah. that hat-trick? Something hat-trick like from the last, the last three, balls. three balls. against... Uh, yeah, yeah, and, and you know, people Australia. are like, ah, well, you know, cheapo hat-trick and all that. But, you know, these days, something like that might count for something. Um, you can go for many runs, but if you pick up wickets at the right time, and three balls at the death might be the difference between a target of 385 and 370, something like that, you know? So it, it makes a difference. This um, is sort of, you, you were talking with Liam Plunkett about the relative merits of uh, yep, uh, that's right, you know, yeah. what, what is good bowling these days. Yeah, what is the, the 150? Well, exactly. It, and, I, and, and I think it, it's such a movable feast because, you know, one day you will get more traditional figures, say, mm. that, that do stand out. But other days, I mean, I cited the example recently of Mark Wood the other day and uh, when he and Archer played together and, and, you know, both bowling at 90 miles an hour, but there was a spell through the middle when Wood returned, got a couple of wickets. I think he went uh, 10 overs, 2 for 71 ultimately, which doesn't mm. look good by anyone's uh, stretch of imagination. But those wickets came at precisely the right moment yeah. to slow down Pakistan's pursuit of, of a tough target. And it was um, it, it, it made the difference ultimately. And, and that, that again is, is how these players will be judged. You know, if Joff Archer can come in mid-innings and derail Kohli, say, or, or, or Chris Gale, or, or someone who is just going nuts... And just gets out at the wrong moment. That is as important. As, that's the game. As, that's yeah, the game that's there. The game there. Yeah, and, uh, absolutely. And you won't be able to judge that in traditional scorecards. You might be able to judge it through our smart stats, but we'll, we'll, yes, yes, we'll, we'll nice have to keep, have to keep, keep, keep. Well, you know, that's, that's, that's what I do. <laughs> you have to keep watching the site to find out more. <laughs> Indeed, and that is a perfect note, um, I think, on which to end. We are, are now in that sweet spot of pure anticipation before the reviews come in and the fans start organising petitions. Will England and their fire-breathing dragon unite the Seven Kingdoms, or will they come to a grisly but nevertheless compelling end? We have an avalanche of top-quality content coming over the next six weeks. Um, Other podcasts are available, so Switch It will be taking a break, coming back fresh and firing for the ashes. Until then, my thanks to Milan Oz, and to you all for listening. Keep it locked to ESPNPickInfo.com.